0: I want them to understand the values that I learned from sport were the reason why I'm able to do whatever I'm, I'm doing now was because of the fact that time management and the ability to self-regulate and so understanding what I'm feeling, how then to communicate what I'm feeling and then how do I improve, continuously improve and that all those lessons I learned from my years of being coached and just having to be around other athletes and actually come to a common goal, a championship.
1: The pod class is now officially in session, and we're your hosts, Matt and Carly. And welcome to our series, School Sport for All, a series looking at the importance of school sport for people from a variety of backgrounds. Each episode, we speak with different guests to understand the impact of school sport from their unique perspectives. And as mentioned earlier, my name is Matt Leckman. I come from a small town in British Columbia called Chilliwack, BC. I was fortunate enough to start basketball at quite a young age and went to play at the University of Calgary. I played there for six years and then went on to postgraduate studies in the Middle East. And after I did that, I had the opportunity to work with Everactive Schools, and that's how I come to you today. And I'm joined by Carly Paxton, and she's going to tell you a little bit about herself as well.
2: My name is Carly Paxton. I grew up in Vancouver, British Columbia. I started playing basketball in grade five, and once I started, I never looked back. I continued playing post-secondary at Langara College in Vancouver, and then I was fortunate enough to pursue basketball at the University of Alberta. Um, When I graduated, I continued on with basketball and I coached for five seasons with Scott Edwards and uh, eventually moved back to Vancouver. And I'm now teaching at Little Flower Academy and also still coaching basketball, of course.
1: Before we get going today, we both would like to acknowledge the land that we're sitting on today and speaking to you from. So in the spirit of respect, reciprocity and truth, we honor and acknowledge Mukinstis and the traditional Treaty 7 territory and oral practices of the Blackfoot Confederacy, including Siksika, Kainai, Pkani. Again, as well as the Stony Nakoda and Sutina nations. We acknowledge that this territory is home to the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3. And we also would like to acknowledge all the other cultures that are coming to us today from different backgrounds or across the world. We recognize that this is a podcast based on diversity and culture, and so we acknowledge all the multiple cultures coming and listening today.
2: And I'd like to acknowledge with gratitude that the land in which I'm learning and sharing today is the unceded territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and tsleil waututh Nations. I'd like to pay my respect to their elders, past and present, and I'd also like to extend that respect to all Indigenous people that may be listening here along with us today.
1: Today we're joined by Anwal and Tamara to talk about sport as a launching pad. Anwal was born and raised in Richmond, B.C., in an East Indian household. She moved to Calgary after high school and played for the University of Calgary women's basketball team for five years. And then she was an assistant coach for two years after that. Now she is a medical student at UBC and her culture greatly influenced her journey through sport by providing her with community and support, but also presenting a few barriers along the way.
2: Tamara also played basketball at the University of Calgary. She's now a strength and conditioning coach She owns her own business. Tamara is passionate about empowering young athletes. She credits her parents' support and the lessons she learned from sport for the success in life and business. Tamara is a first-generation Canadian of Jamaican descent.
1: It'd be great to get you guys just to talk initially a little bit about your story. And um, feel free to dive a little deeper and and how sport has really impacted your life and how it's been. Obviously, I know that it's been such a big feature of your life. But um, yeah, just we'll open that up and let you guys um, share your story with uh, with sport.
3: Hi, everyone. My name is Matt Matu. So first of all, I want to say my culture greatly impacted my journey through sport, both by providing some barriers along the way, but also some community and support. So I'm definitely going to touch on that in my story. So to start off, I, as I mentioned, I was born and raised in Richmond, B.C., and I actually lived in a joint household, which is fairly common in, in traditional East Indian culture, I lived with my grandparents and I lived with my aunts, uncles, all of my cousins. Uh, I had about 10 cousins so we all lived in one big house with quite a few of us. So I grew up in a very big family and grew up playing sport, uh, specifically basketball. That was the sport of choice for a long time and with my family. Uh, When I was really young in elementary school is when I first started to get engaged in playing sport in the community. So joining Richmond basketball leagues and and small little basketball camps here and there. But When I got to about the eighth grade high school, things got a little bit challenging for me. And that's largely due to the fact that in cultural norms, there's a bit of a gender inequality between boys and girls. And there are certain roles that boys should be doing and certain roles that girls should be. And so sport is not one of those roles for women. And so actually my eldest sister, who is nine years older than me, uh, was no longer allowed to play sport when she was in grade eight. And she was not allowed to play sport in high school. Um, because it went against our cultural norms. And so for me, I was at that crossroads. And luckily enough, I had very strong parents and, and my father really stood up for me and allowed me and gave me the opportunity to continue playing sports, specifically basketball, because that's where my passions lie. So I actually, throughout high school, I played basketball, but I also played a bunch of other sports. I, I played volleyball, track and field, soccer which was awesome because I got my foot into so many different things. I learned so many different skills from each one of those sports and it was great. I met so many different people. And then throughout my high school journey, I also got to represent Canada, uh, which was really awesome at the FIBA world qualifiers in Merida, Mexico, where we finished third place, which was really awesome. And I also got to play, I represent British Columbia playing on the provincial team for many years. So this is where the positive of my culture came in and and it was mostly just a sense of community like I had so much support in high school like after that initial barrier I had so much support from the Indo-Canadian community you know with people coming out and wanting to hear my story so that you can we can inspire the next generations of Indo-Canadians and almost break that barrier of cultural norms and break that gender inequality between boys and girls and allowing girls to Indo-Canadian girls to play do sport to be athletic to play basketball. So, yeah, that was it was great and and I really enjoyed the support I got from from my cultural community. And then, as I mentioned uh, in 2013, I I got a scholarship an opportunity to go to the University of Calgary and and play basketball, which was a great opportunity for me. I was really excited about it, but unfortunately. I had another barrier, and that was that in our culture, it's not common to allow girls to move to a different city, let alone really anywhere before they get married, especially to a new city, without any family. And so I had to, with my parents, had to overcome that barrier and go against almost our family's traditional values and, and norms to be able to go to Calgary and pursue my dreams. And luckily... For me, again, with my strong parents and the backing and support of the rest of the basketball community and Indo-Canadian community, I was able to overcome that barrier and play basketball for many years at the University of Calgary and, and pursue my passion. So that's me in a nutshell.
2: What a great story.
1: Yeah, it's so cool. There's so many things there, obviously, to want to wanna, like dive into and pull out and, and talking about those, like, those large transitions almost in your life, you know?
0: There's so much to celebrate.
1: Yeah yeah for sure
0: okay yeah so hi guys my name is tamara jarrett my story isn't as i guess i wouldn't say dramatic animal but as dramatic as animals only because um so culturally being jamaican uh there's a big culture of around sport like a lot of specifically when it comes to track and field and just from my family specifically so culturally, sport was always been a big part of my family. Um my brother, he played professional basketball overseas. My my parents, they both played their sports back in Jamaica. So when my parents came here, my mom was 14, my dad was 19, and when they met and they had they had me and my sister, it was always a matter of what just what sport to play and is a very much a strong part of our identity was to be athletes. So Personally, there weren't a lot of barriers to playing sport. What I learned a ton was that sport allowed me to kind of, well, I won't say be free, but it allowed me to express myself. And I almost got almost too tied up in being an athlete. And I didn't really know how to not be an athlete, if that makes sense. So especially once I graduate, once I went to University of Calgary, I played, I got to well, similar to Animal, actually. I played provincial basketball for um, for Alberta. Unfortunately, I never got an opportunity to play nationally, but then got a scholarship to go play at University of Calgary. Those all just seemed like natural fits to like, okay, I'm an athlete. I'm going to school to be an athlete, but also get a great education. It was a little bit of a shock coming to the end of my career, being like, okay, so now I'm no longer an athlete now. That was a part of my struggle. And again, because it was such a strong... Pull in my family to be an athlete. So for me, luckily, I was able to create and still stay in the athletic world, being a strength conditioning coach and being able to help and mentor young up and coming athletes and help them kind of navigate through the world of okay, so I'm an athlete and a student. And I'm also going through all these changes young people go through. um how do I navigate that, and what's next? So just being able to help athletes that way, that's been a lot of a big passion of mine and helped me funnel and kind of help me change my identity from being an athlete to being okay, how can I help young athletes now? So that's kind of been part of my uh journey personally. I can definitely relate to that.
2: I remember as a child growing up and being so involved in sport. And, you know, my dad was an athlete, my brother is an athlete, and our whole lives were either, you know, we're watching sports on TV, or we're out in the backyard playing sports together. And I I remember the day I finished playing too, it was a bit of a wake up call is like, okay, where am I going to go with this now? What am I going to do? I love it so much. How do I keep sport in my life? And I think that's one of the reasons why I decided to coach at the University of Alberta, I really wanted to give back to other athletes, and I wanted to still be involved in basketball and involved with the program. It was just such a big part of my life.
1: Wow. In my my second last year, I remember we were playing UFV and we got knocked out. And one of my teammates and friends that was graduating, that buzzer goes and that's our last game of the season. Remember he looks at me and he's like, man, like, all those thousands of jump shots and hook shots seems pretty you know meaningless right now <laughs> and you're sitting there in that moment and the clock is zero 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 and you're like holy cow this has been my life forever and so i think that's what's so exciting even about this pod class episode here is sport is a launching pad and it's so clear with both of your stories how impactful sport has been from the beginning right and like you know animal you're talking about playing all different kinds of sport as you're growing up and tamara like your your parents your family your sister your brother are fanatics with this game as well and so we're we're going to move into this area of how sport has really affected you guys specifically before we jump into that i'd love to dive in a little bit more with the culture aspect be interested to hear one area of your culture that you're really proud of? I know, and well you talked about some challenges there and we'll get to that as well, but what are some areas that you're proud of when you guys think of your culture?
0: Well, I can speak of like, maybe just Jamaica cause I'm Jamaican. So we are very, <laughs> what, how do I put it? So very family oriented, but we're ve- like, everything is raw, raw. Like my parents were always, they, they were never a, uh, the crazy parents, but they're always so, um happy and just when you think of watching track and field like it's always jamaica like to the you know usain ball all those things there's so much pride when it came to winning and it came to being just the best so that's kind of what's carried on through um i don't know if that's specific to jamaica but i know that's how at least with my family how i've kind of interpreted it um from my from my eyes
1: that's sweet that's really cool Mm -hmm.
3: But I kind of mentioned this a little bit in my story, but, you know, one thing I'm really proud of is is the sense of community. The Indo-Canadian community is is awesome. Everybody kind of treats each other like family, even if you don't even know the person, just because you're Indo-Canadian, you're family, and you've got people looking out for you. You've got people who will support you, whether you have no family in Calgary, or you just met them at a basketball game at the end, and they're just... So happy to be meeting you. They're there for you and they're there to support you. And I think just that sense of community for me and support really helped me during all of my transitions in life and, and through sport.
1: It's cool how you guys have uh there's some common themes there too. Hey, like you just look at that that family aspect and that support and that camaraderie, right? And and well, especially as you go through those transitions as well. That's really cool. Curious for you guys. So if we keep building even on that topic of culture and how your culture kind of feeds into your sport and I'm I'm curious to hear how did those cultural values play out in your sport experience
3: yeah I mean for me just going through high school sport and playing even in Calgary though too but specifically when I was around in in Richmond playing with my family I felt this greater responsibility Mm. when I was on the floor that I was not just representing the high school I was playing for or the Jersey or whatever name was across my chest. I was representing my family and bigger than my family, I was representing my community. And for me, that was the Indo-Canadian community. I was representing Indo-Canadian women when I was on the floor. And so it just, for me, it played out, that sense of community played out as a greater responsibility for me when I was on the court to do my best and give it my all because it's bigger than just me in this one play. It's the whole community that you're representing in everything you do, every interaction that you have with a referee when they make a bad call, you're not just representing your school, you're representing your community. When you're interacting with opponents, when you're interacting with teammates, you're representing something bigger. And I think that just greater responsibility, I don't know, it just, it put that much more weight Hmm. on every interaction that I had and my sporting experience.
1: Wow it's so interesting because like as as athletes we experience that all the time you know even as early as high school I remember the importance of of just respect and honor and because of the game right and something as simple as showing up on on time right you're you're lighting up What, what are you thinking
0: I wouldn't even go as far like that's amazing that you were like able to connect that animal I went to the point of like for me, I was, first of all, the respect that I'd give my parents and like my parents expected from me, like just how I spoke to them. So yeah. when I spoke to my coach, I always had that same level of respect. And as well, um, when I communicated with my my coach and as well, I show, like, I show up, I committed to doing something. So like the amount of, I wouldn't say pressure, but just what my parents instilled in me in terms of, okay, you say you're gonna do something, so do it. And then if you're not doing it, like what are the challenges and how do you solve that problem? So you were at practice on time. You were always doing your best at practice. So that's kind of and that was just very much ingrained. And my parents never let us think that it's okay just to slack off. Not to slack off or just to just to go through the motions. So that's what I took hmm. throughout my life, and especially in high school, was just if I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be the best at it.
2: Yeah, you're just, you're not just showing up. You're like you said, you're representing your family, and you're gonna go out there and be the best you can be on the court and off the court. Absolutely
0: correct. Which then I think goes into bigger, like I'm was saying, then you're representing like that free group, like your culture. So that's exactly that's exactly it.
1: So I'd be T like I'm interested to hear. What- where do you think that came from? Like those, like that value and that motivation and desire to show up and be present and be the best that you are. Where did those values come from?
0: I don't know. It's hard to say where it came from because I don't know, understand anything else. So I only ever knew respect, hmm. if that makes sense. So I can't, I, it's a really hard, tough question. Yeah, can I, I just add on? I think like I have those same values, that same drive
3: you got to work hard, you got to show up on time, you got to give it your all all the time. And if you have an opportunity, you seize it. And when I think back on those values, they obviously come from my parents. But how did my parents get those values? Well, they were immigrants, they came to this country, they had to seize every little opportunity they had to be successful in this country. And I think, they're the ones who instilled that in us just because that's all the challenges they had to overcome. And they had to learn those made skills, perhaps in their, well, when my dad came here when he was three, so when he was very young, he had to learn those skills. But my grandparents had to learn them when they were older. And I think that's where those skills come from. Our immigrant parents had to overcome a lot. And then they've instilled that in us as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that.
2: I thought it was uh, really interesting what uh, both of you touched on in regards to representing your people on the court too. Mm. And what I think it's really interesting is I would imagine there's so many young girls, young, whether they're Indo-Canadian or of Jamaican descent that are sitting there watching you and getting so much out of that. Like, wow, look at that, you know, female athlete just crushing it on the court and just giving them someone to look up to Showing that they can
3: achieve the same thing, it opens up opportunities that they didn't even know existed.: Yeah, or that were possible.
2: Exactly. I think when minority groups come to the country and you know they might be seeing mostly white people on the court, having an Indo-Canadian or Jamaican on the court like being very successful, I think that's giving them that confidence and something to look up to in a role model. I think that's so
0: important. A thousand percent. It's funny you say that because I've been fortunate enough to be able to work with a few black female athletes. And I'm even thinking I only had one or well, two female coaches wow. out of my entire basketball career and they were white. Yeah. There was no. Wow. Yeah. And then and so just thinking about that and I've had parents actually tell me that they really do and not in such direct terms but the parents of these athletes saying like thank you like whatever I want you to help guide my daughter and I did also and this is now a black athlete that I work with he actually was like was mentioning something about just oh yeah Tamara you're such a like some he didn't say queen but something along the lines I'm like oh I'm like thanks but just he re- him recognizing that like because I, I'm a black female in like this, in this role was very rare. That's kind of the, that's the way that you said it. And I it never really hit me until my athlete was saying that. I'm like, no, yeah, it's true. Like there aren't, for one, There's not a lot of female strength and conditioning coaches. And two, those that are um, like, that are minorities, that's even more. Right. So like I almost, not that I take pressure with it, but I do recognize that I want to be a good role model and show yeah people of color, people of any descent that they, no matter what, they they can do whatever they want.
2: Absolutely, and I think that's what
0: yeah I was trying to get at too is you don't
2: like I didn't play with a lot of Indo Canadians, I didn't play with a lot of Black athletes. So to have you know these two successful athletes on the court, these kids can look up to is amazing, right? There you don't see a lot of Black athletes yeah. in Canada. You don't see a lot of Indo. You're starting to see a lot more now, which is amazing and great. But you know when I played, which is a lot longer ago than you guys, you know, majority was white females on the court.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's so, so interesting, T. I love that story and just maybe trying to connect all these dots. Like, uh, Carly, as you were trying to, you know, play with that role model and, and mentor and trying to figure out th- that language there. But that story, T, like that connects so well with what Anmol was saying initially about, you know, the pride, right? Mm-hmm. And the pride of walking out onto the court and representing your community. But now you're on the other side of that role. You know, and they're looking at you, and you're encouraging them and uplifting them and bringing them up. I just think that's such a powerful image, and I obviously I know you, so I, I see that. But I, I I love that. I think that's so cool to look back and you know over ten years of kind of history of sport that's now put you in this position of a leadership, right?
0: Yeah. What I really am passionate about too is trying to get whether kids go on, so the athletes I work with go on to play. Any real level, like college or not, I want them to understand the values that I learned from sport were the reason why I'm able to do whatever I'm, I'm doing now was because of the fact that time management and the ability to self regulate. And so understanding what I'm feeling, how then to communicate what I'm feeling, and then can I see a change like what are the minute changes? How far off am I from a okay, is this is good is this a good feeling? Is this a bad feeling? Is this is a good emotion, is this bad like how do I how do I improve, continuously improve? And that all of those lessons I learned from my years of being coached and just having to be around other athletes and actually come to a common goal, a championship or like you know what I mean? A- yeah. And it can be
2: tough navigating those emotions in situations where you're put in a tough situation how can you regulate your emotions so that you can work your way through that situation and be successful and you learn that so much through sport and competition like I can't tell you how many times I've been in tough situations and had to kind of tell myself okay
0: how am I going to get out of this right (laughs) right and have you been in this situation where it's been that tough, like outside of the real world, like, and then if you're only dealing with that the first time in the real world, how do you, like, do you even know what, what's going on? So how many kids can you help huh. mitigate their anxiety or whatever, because with these little micro doses of pressure, but controlled pressure, right. does that make sense?
1: Yeah 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 t maybe and well i i want to hear your your take on this too but could we rein in on that a little bit more tamara and like even talk about your experience with those two two specific kind of skills that you labeled like time management and emotional self-regulation like what what was that process like through sport even if you can go back to high school but and what was that like
0: yeah well, animal, well, you could probably speak to it more now, especially going through pre-med, all that stuff. But I almost, I think, and we talked about this earlier too, I almost needed sport to make me be busy because or else I would procrastinate. Hmm. And you had to also talk to your teacher if you're going to be away on the weekend for a tournament a week before. You couldn't just, it was no last minute stuff or else you just would have been left behind. So you had to be on the ball and making sure that you had your bases covered in order to do this thing that you love, which is playing sport. Right. Yeah. I mean, all you can speak to that, especially going through med school. Yeah, no, I mean, you had to be proactive. You had to,
3: um, for me, my, I wanted to make the most of my sporting career, but ultimately I always knew and my parents always instilled this in me that your academics are going to be what, take you all the way so I kind of knew I wanted to go into medical school and it's not an easy program to get into it really isn't so somehow for me I had to manage basketball which is probably more than a full-time job full-time academic as well as making sure I'm doing research as well as making sure I'm volunteering within the community as well as making sure not only within the basketball community but the community as a whole in other areas and advocacy etc cetera. So how do you manage that? You have to be proactive, you have to be organized. And that's what sport taught me. If I wanted to get all of that stuff in, in a week, I had to be organized and I had to create calendars and have every hour of every day accounted for, because you know, if I've got an exam two weeks from now, but we've got an away game that weekend leading up, I got to start studying even sooner, because we're going to be prepping for the game, I don't have enough days before the exam, like an average student might have to be able to study for it. And yeah. I think sport taught me those skills. And they're so well translated in the field of medicine, because it's time management is a huge skill you need in medicine, um, you're dealing with well, right now, with Sage I'm at is just so much content that there is literally no time to, to even study all of it. But you have to prioritize, and you also have to prioritize your own well-being, your own relationships, your family, as well as, again, advocacy, giving back to the community, research, all those things. So I don't think I'd be able to do the things I'm currently doing now without the skills and huh. techniques that sport taught me.
0: It's almost like, Emil, you had to get that pressure it might've been overwhelming when we were in high school and college, but like that made our capacity bigger. So then now we're in the real world without sport, like, and now the has gone. So that's so much more space, but there's our environment, our capacity is just gigantic because of what that created, what it's forced us to create. Exactly. Yeah. And there's so many other things to fill it
3: with. Um, mm-hmm. You'll find other passions down the line that you want to fill that time with, fill that capacity with. And for me, it's right now you know, I'm not playing sport I don't know how I ever managed to do what I did with sport but like right now I'm so busy and it's predominantly school hmm. but it, it does fill that capacity up and allows you to do a lot of other things and be really great members of society and I think that's really
0: important
2: yeah well I think what you're both touching on too is commitment you know you're you're all committed to a common goal you're Committed to each other every day at practice. And through that commitment, I think it teaches you so much later on in life, like what passions you're going to pursue. You're going to have to be focused. You're going to have to be organized um, to be fully committed. There's just so many different skills that you have to have to be successful in your career or whatever you decide to do later on in life.
3: No, definitely. Um, I think backtracking, you guys touched on one of the ones that's super important to me, which is managing emotion. Hmm. And In sport, you have to manage your emotions, but not just in the middle of a game. You have to manage it outside the game. You're working with people who might be different than you. Your teammates might be different than you. Have different personalities. You need to learn how to conflict manage. You need to learn how to, you know, manage your own personal emotions and and whatever you're feeling inside to be able to have a productive conversation with someone when things are not going right. And I think that's hugely important as well.
2: I'm seeing that so much as a coach now. I remember we are playing in a provincial qualifier and I had an athlete who fouled out. She's one of our best players. All the kids look up to her. And I really had to, I was frustrated. I really had to rein it in though and keep my emotions in check and make sure that I was calming everyone else down. And that's something I didn't think I haven't reflected back on a lot as a player, but now I just realize how important it is to manage emotions because other people feed off those emotions too. Especially in your leadership roles.
1: Yeah. That's fascinating. Like it's it's what T when you brought it up and talked about like I was really surprised that you went straight to like time management and emotional regulation. And it's things that I think I've always known about, I've always thought about. But looking back as an adult, you know, working full time, and you look at those emotions and how, like, the sporting environment is a very different atmosphere for learning those things about yourself. And and I don't, maybe it's because there's immediate consequences for your emotions. <laughs> but like, t- talk me through, like, what what did you learn about yourself emotionally? And T, maybe I feel like you you probably hear me on this. We're we're both quite animated and expressive individuals right like what what was that like for you like as an athlete
0: well so let's say let's put it this way the first two years of my career i led canada in fouls sorry i was second
1: yeah until i came yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so i really realized how quick tempered and how i just thought quick spoke quick i did not think about what I was saying before I was saying it and how I came across. I developed that from a lot of hard talks with my coaches, a lot of emotional crying days of a lot of emotional um, crying breakdowns, just from talking to a coach, talking to my teammates. I had to be better at first, wait, what am I, why am I feeling this way? And is that productive? Because I used to speak back to the referees. It was the worst. And so I realized, Ooh, I have to understand how I might be coming First of all, where are they coming from? <laughs> where are they coming from? How am I coming across? And how can I bridge that gap of, I just I just have a question to ask, but how do I come across in a way that isn't aggressive or isn't disrespectful? So back to the respect thing. So I realized I had to really check myself um, and it came from just getting fouled out a lot, really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: I was gonna say, was your question, how was
0: that a foul? I didn't even touch her.
1: <laughs> what are you watching? What are you seeing? Like...
0: <laughs> yeah, I got way better at being diplomatic though and asking questions as opposed to statements. And so, and even that really helps me now even talking to my athletes because like, they, they're 13. Remember when you were 13 and you like, Things happen. And I'm like, oh, okay. I hear you coming from. Do you think about this? Did you think about this. So it really did. It, it's crazy. I'm like, ooh, this is how I might have come across when I'm hearing my athletes freak out and like about some story or something. I'm like, interesting. It's kind of funny being on the other side of it. So now you're like reciprocating that mentorship. Hey, so much, so much. It's actually quite rewarding. I lo- and that's one of the. That was the first thing that really hit me. Is that with my athletes? Like, ooh, I can help you manage that. <laughs> I want to. <laughs>
1: So. so maybe just on that point, what do you think that sport offers in managing and teaching uh, emotions that the classroom doesn't?
0: I'm not sure if Animal said it or you said it that, but it was safe. The safety in it, like maybe Animal you can go speak more onto it. But it's you can't really you can fail, but it's not gonna. There's someone around you. There's teammates to support you. There's coaches to support you.
1: That's interesting.
0: I, I was just gonna say that
3: there's more opportunity to improve. I mean, when you think about sport, I mean, just within well, my seven-year journey at the University of Calgary, which is normally five, <laughs> you have a long time to improve. You may have made a bad call in one play. You may have had an outburst of emotion that wasn't appropriate. Well, that time will come around again. It will come around again, and you will be tested with it again, mm-hmm. and you have an opportunity to either show that you've worked on this, and you're improve, or you made the same mistake. Well, if you made the same mistake, that opportunity will show up again because five years is a long time you've played for a while, same things, same kind of interactions typically usually happen. Whereas when you're in grade eight and you got a question on an exam wrong, well, it's likely they're not going to ask you what eight times five is on your grade 10 math test. You wrote that test in grade eight, you're not really going to get that question again. They're just hoping that you got that skill. They move on to the next learning issue. Whereas in sports, these these interactions, these opportunities come around repeatedly. And it just gives you more time to be able to become better at whatever you're trying to be better at.
2: When you think about, uh, you know, the life or a week in the life of an athlete in university, you know, you're practicing two hours a day, you might even have a morning shoot, you think about how many opportunities you have to fail and learn. It's, you know, every day, I would say in every practice, there's, probably 10 times where I'm making a mistake and getting mad and learning to, again, regulate those emotions and figure out how I'm going to manage the situation and get through it. You're right. Those situations come up over and over and again. And I think that's why you get so good at it as an athlete is because you have so much practice.
3: And the other thing is, though, you're not just learning from your own mistakes. In a practice or in a game, you're learning from your teammates' mistakes as well. If you want to get the most out of it, you you know, I'm not going to do what she just did. <laughs> what not to do. So true. Because that would get me subbed out. So I'm not going to do that. Totally. You know, you don't really have that in school um, where you can learn from other people's mistakes and they're blatantly in front of you and the coach stops practice and starts talking to that person. And you kind of like, okay, well, I'm
2: not going to do that because I don't want that kind of talking to, you you know? It's a great point. And the environment's so different in a basketball practice compared to a classroom, you know? Like in a classroom, you could make a mistake and your teacher's going to kind of help you through it. But in a practice, you're right. Sometimes you can get reprimanded. Everyone's looking at you. Your your teammates have a certain expectation. It's not always easy. So I think you learn that much quicker.
1: Yeah, that... That's, it's so, this is so fascinating talking about this. I don't know if I've ever had a conversation around this. You're in it, you know, and you see it, but reflecting on it, I mean, I, exactly with what you're saying, Carly, like the environment of that practice is, and I've said this before, but there's no other place in life that quite mimics that environment where you have 12 people on a team that are committed to a cause. And you're, you're in practice for, you know, an hour and a half to two hours every day with that same group. And you're like, you're trying to win your actions or your mistakes have big consequences. And there's, you know, when you make it, I like there's four other people looking at you and saying, what are you doing? Like we just lost, you know, but the, the amazing thing is about practice, you have another drill right? And you have another drill and you have another drill. And and the classroom just doesn't create that, I mean, social learning where every step you're observing, you're listening, you're implementing, you're ma- making mistakes, you're, you know, rewinding and then going forward again. Like it's, it, it really is fascinating.
2: Absolutely. And the good coaches are going to put you in a position to fail too. Yeah, You can learn and work through those situations. I know some of my best Coaches, I know in their minds they're like, I, I, I'm gonna make this tough for you, and you're gonna have to figure it out. You're gonna have to work that much harder. You're gonna have to learn to communicate with your teammates. You're gonna have to learn all those skills. Totally.
3: Yeah, and you're also gonna have to learn to communicate with the coach who's putting you in that situation. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. You know, the player coach relationship. How do you talk to someone and be vulnerable with someone who's putting you in those positions, and kind of almost tease out if you don't understand what's the learning in this? Yeah. And you have to be confident enough to be able to go up and speak to an authority figure, because that's what the coach ultimately is, is a leader. He or she is the leader of the team. They're the authority figure. You have to be able to go and have a tough conversation with them to make sure that you're comfortable with whatever situation is happening or, I guess, comfortable with the uncomfortable.
1: I, I love that point, and more like knowing you know when you talk about stepping into that authority figure and you almost like you're standing up for yourself but you're also like you're asserting yourself but you're also like you said in a place of vulnerability how have those values transitioned to we talked a bit about it but to you ladies today you know in med school in coaching like what what does that look like
0: for me I don't know, because I do have, I work for myself. I make my own schedule. I recruit and bring referrals into my own business. So it took me a while to kind of, oh yeah, this is that switch. Like I'm just now hyper-focused on my sport is my Tamara Jay training. And that's my game. That's my championship. So how do I make the best of it? And so I'm always like scheduling everything on time. I'm making sure I'm on time. So I just, it was exactly like that. Just transition it right to those skills. I really struggled when I was done playing because I
2: like Tamara said, I wasn't sure who I was, if I wasn't an athlete and it took me a couple of years to really kind of get over that. And then, like I was saying, I realized through those skills that I had as an athlete, whether it was being competitive, having that confidence, being a leader, that's what I kind of transitioned into my career. And I kind of identified with that as opposed to being an athlete.
1: Yeah that that's pretty that's pretty cool, Carly. That's good language because I, I hear one hundred percent. Would be interesting to hear Animal and and T's thoughts on this too. The way that my transition after sport was, and I'm you know three four years out is I always thought that sport specifically the fact that I played for the national team, you know, that I played for university of Calgary for, for five, six years, you know, that, that we won a Canada West championship, that this is what the employer, you know, in the world would want to see. And I was actually surprised in this. She was like, nobody cares that I played for five years. Nobody cares that I played for team Canada. You know, nobody cares about this stuff. I was like, what the heck? Like, I haven't done anything else, but, but it's exactly what you're saying, Carly. It's the, it's the skills that have come in where it's like, well, they don't need the labels of who I played for or what I did or what I won, but I know who I am because of the confidence, you know, the emotional management, the time management. And, and I can sell those things and, and show people those things. I'm I'm talking in an employment sense and those are the things that people want. And so that is um, that was an interesting transition for me. What are your guys' thoughts there?
3: No, I, I that resonates with me so much because that was pretty much my entire med school application. I couldn't just write that I played basketball my entire life and leave it at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you have to share the skills that you learned, the experiences that you had and what you learned from those experiences, how they changed you, how they helped you develop certain skills. and That's how you, in a way, sell yourself, Mm -hmm. ultimately, to get into a program, to get a job, et cetera. You have to really reflect on what you actually learned from it. Yeah, I was put in the role of captaincy. Well, congratulations. What did you actually learn from that? Well, I learned how to lead. I learned how to talk to people, how to conflict management on the fly, how to think clearly under pressure, and how to speak to my coach in two seconds and create an immediate change on the court which really does translate into life so i think that's the important thing is you come out of sport with all of these skills but only you can reflect on them to see how they've changed you and what tools they've actually given you in life to be successful in whatever job you want to do or whatever it is that you want to do
1: Mm -hmm. like
3: i think that's the important point
1: it's almost like life actualizes those skills hey Mm.
2: so we've touched on the different skills that that you guys have learned through sport and how you've transitioned that into your careers today. But I also wanted to talk about how you think sport impacted
0: you socially. For me personally being in Calgary, going to school in Calgary, college in Calgary, the networks I built and, again, the skills that Emma mentioned about even how to communicate with people, if it wasn't for being an athlete and being in the situations where you get uncomfortable and you have to get good at communicating with Different people with different backgrounds. For me, directly with my business, I would not be as good. I'm part of a marketing group, and a part of that marketing group is about selling myself. I know it's because of work. That's why I'm able to sell myself.
2: And animal, do you think you've had a similar experience?
3: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, when you're thinking socially, I mean, I moved from BC, where my entire family is, where all of my friends were, my entire social network, to Calgary, where I knew one human, and that was my coach that is it. I didn't know anybody else. I mean, I knew of some people when I went on my recruiting visits, but I didn't know anybody. And also the girls who were coming in in my recruiting year were all four Albertans. So they'd all played on provincial teams together. They were all friends. They knew each other. And I was kind of this oddball out. I also signed late. So, you know, where did this girl come from? And you would think that that's kind of what it was like, but it wasn't at all. And I think that's something that sports gives you is an immediate social group immediate like wherever you are <laughs> um so you know you have relationships with people great you build relationships through all the experiences that you have and then you have these lifelong friendships so i think the networking is super huge and t did a great job touching on that but the only other aspect i wanted to touch on is the relationships that you build and how they're lifelong relationships huh. like through my at the university of calgary i've got friends in the uk i've got friends in switzerland i've got friends in Spain in Australia, all around the world, and I consider them all really, really good best friends and If I were to travel there i'm definitely visiting them and I think the relationships that you build with people are super important and when with a sports team like for me, as I came from d c to Calgary, I had an immediate family, even though I technically didn't have family there I did and it was it was the eighteen girls I was surrounded by, yeah, so I think the relationship aspect's really important
2: oh my two bridesmaids from my wedding were teammates and yeah same thing you have this sisterhood um these friendships that are so valuable and the experiences you have irreplaceable it's just such a special connection
1: and i i think that's it's so cool i'm really glad you brought up that question uh carly and then even just that response both animal and t like talking about the relationship and then the networking opportunity. And I think that might be something that from the outside looking in, maybe not seen as, you know, quite obvious, right. Or even I'm going thinking back to high school and thinking about how you're with such a tight knit group of people. And, and well, your story is amazing for that. You leave everything, all your connections, all your family, you show up in Calgary, all you know is your coach and that becomes your cohort for the next seven years in your case. And, I just, in the same way, like that high school experience, I can't imagine like coming to Canada as a new Canadian from a different culture, from a different background, you show up and sport actually ends up being this immediate connector. And in my experience, that's something that's so amazing about the court is you immediately once you step between those lines your color, your background, your your income, you know, wherever you come from, no matter how much money you have, what color shoes you have, it really at that point it doesn't matter and it's really just about that game. And I remember as a young kid in high school, even seeing that and being like this is this is something. This is where I want to be, you know.
2: You think about you could have 10 people on the court and none of them speak the same language, but the movement is the mm-hmm. language. That's the connection, that common connection of movement. Totally.
1: Yeah, that's so true. So I'm curious, Animal and T, what would you say to someone that's new to Canada coming from another country where they're very concerned about their cultural values, knowing that now their son or daughter or child is in a world that is completely contrary? to everything you know, that they know culturally, it could be religiously, traditionally. What do you say to that parent that's maybe trying to to discern or think about putting their, their child into sport? What, what do you say to them?
0: First things first is like parents meet the coach and like have a conversation with them, but then assess what is your feeling? What is your gut? Because truly that's the person that's going to be speaking into your child or speaking, like you know what I mean? So if you don't get a good vibe from that, it doesn't matter what sport it is. It could be totally winks doesn't matter you know what I mean who is going to be speaking into your child and developing your child away from you so that's the first thing meet the coach
2: that's such a great comment because it's true you know a sport is great but then it's who is surrounding you in that sport that can make such a difference as well you know you might have a coach that maybe doesn't align with your values so finding that fit for you is so important yeah totally. Yeah. And I just think the other aspect
3: is is trust that you've done a good job as a parent and that your kid has these values and they're going to keep them with them regardless of what they do, whether it's playing sport, whether it's choosing a path of academia, whether it's, you know, deciding to go into the arts, your kid's going to keep the values that you taught them at a young age with them forever. So trust in that and trust that I mean, for me, I went away from home, but even while I was in high school, I spent most of my time with coaches, but you got to remember, I'm always coming home at the end of the day and yeah. I'm having dinner with my family. And that's where you build and strengthen those values. And in your yeah. own family attractions, sport only takes up, especially in high school, probably about two hours a day. Yeah. Um, and if you join other community leagues, it might be a bit longer, but you've got the other twenty-two hours of the day to fill those values and strengthen them. So I think that's really important to remember.
1: That's really cool. T I love I love that comment on meet the coach, like get to know the coach. What that's such good advice and 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 then and well trusting that you've instilled these values into your child every day, right? Into your family every day. And I think it's interesting going back and thinking about some of the, the conversation we had regarding Sport, yes, as a launching pad, but almost that as an actualizer, right, like it the sport can be a vehicle that continues these values that are instilled what 's cool to take from this conversation is sport enhances these values, you know and and it's been phenomenal listening to stories of that kind of all night, Carly, I, I see you you're thinking over there,
2: yeah, I was just going to expand on the idea of travel too, like I know. At a high school level, it's a little bit more local travel. But as you move into university, you get opportunities to travel internationally. And I think that in itself, I know for me personally, I've learned so much and I've seen so many different places in the world because of sport. Um, But even just learning that skill of how to travel, how to behave in other places, other countries, and just being respectful of culture and language Mm -hmm a lot of that education for me happened through sport and traveling when I played for the university of Alberta, even in high school, a little bit, we traveled down to the United States and I just think that's such a rich education in itself, learning those skills while you travel.
1: Yeah. And you coined that earlier, Carly, you said movement as, as language, right. Where quite literally is sport is this vehicle of, of connection through movement, you know, and, that is the language, you know.
2: Absolutely.
1: Well, guys, I I think we we covered a a, a vast kind of selection of, of topics, and we really had the opportunity to to narrow in on some, and everything from starting with your stories of sport specifically, and and how coming from diverse backgrounds actually enabled you to kind of walk into this this platform of sport that in turn really launch your careers in some unique ways and some values like time management and emotional regulation being huge aspects and assets in your careers today. So I'm just so thankful for the time to to listen to you both and, and Carly you as well, of course, any closing kind of remarks from anyone?
2: I'm good.
3: You know, I just like to close with saying if you put your kid in sport they're going to gain skills far beyond just putting a ball in a hoop yeah they're going to gain skills that will open doors and opportunities for the rest of their lives so do it put your kid in sport take overcome that
2: challenge if it's a challenge for you and um that fear because the rewards will be great i think for parents too it's like dive right in you know go out support them go to the games get involved i think that's so important too to have that support from the family totally yeah,
1: you're so right yeah it's definitely a, a family connector right like it, it brings everyone together and that's pretty cool Animal, all the best with med school and t you're doing such amazing work with kids every day and your passion is contagious um so yeah all the best and thanks so much for for coming on
2: yeah it was It was so fun to hear your stories. I could talk about this for hours.
1: (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of The Pod Class, School Sport for All. Thanks to Matthew Wood for composing and performing the theme music.
2: You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at everactiveab on Facebook at EverActive Schools or visit our website everactive.org for more great content and resources. Until next time,
1: the, the podcast class is, is dismissed. dismissed.